Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 50th episode of 2022. You know, last week was an amazing week at the Fiber Broadband Association's premier members meeting in St. Pete Beach, Florida. You know, during our board elections, uh, Mark Boxer of OFS was reelected to serve a second term. Mark is the chair of our education committee and has been doing an amazing job in the development and the nationwide rollout of the Fiber Broadband Association's Optic Path Fiber Optic Technician Training Program. The premier members also elected two new members to our board, Ariane Schaefer from Google Fiber and Kimberly McKinley from Utopia Fiber. Ariane has been serving as the co-chair of the Fiber Broadband Association's Public Policy Committee, and Kim co-chairs our wildly popular Public Officials Roundtable. At the end of last week, I had the pleasure of speaking at the Broadband Leaders Summit in Miami. It was a great event. You know, we heard from Andy Burke, the RUS administrator, and from a number of the state broadband offices and other industry top broadband leaders. From Capitol Hill, uh, FBA, along with other entities, received a letter from Senator Thune requesting our input on a number of questions related to federal funding programs, including B, as the new Congress prepares to provide oversight of these broadband efforts. You know, FBA is preparing our response that we'll be submitting to Senator Thune. As this year is quickly coming to close, the Fiber Broadband Association is preparing for our 2023 series of regional Fiber Connect workshops, beginning with Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, February 7th. Registration is now open and we hope that you will join us. I also encourage you to register for today's Industry Association's webinar on permitting at 1 p.m. Eastern. This is part of our effort to bring the top industry associations together and present key educational topics for the state broadband offices as, you know, on important areas where we really believe the industry is highly aligned. This brings us to today's Five for Breakfast session with Matt Collins of Calix, who will be discussing Strategies for winners, it's all about experience. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, we heard from our good friend, Lucy Moore, the special policy advisor at NTI, who shared with us NTI's Internet for All initiative, a workforce to connect America. You know, we're really excited about our efforts with Lucy and NTI to ramp up our workforce development efforts across all 56 states and territories. Today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest is Matt Collins of Calix, who's gonna be discussing Strategy for winners, it's all about experience. Matt is the Executive Vice President of Commercial Operations and the Chief Marketing Officer for Calix. You know, the Calix Commercial Operations team is responsible for supply chain operations, uh, demand management, commercial strategy, and analytics, field operations, and global process transformation. Matt also leads the Calix go-to-market team, and which is responsible for the corporate field and product marketing, as well as partner operations and business development. Over the course of his career, Matt has built and led marketing and strategy teams at Dun & Bradstreet, IBM, McKinsey, uh, and Merrick. Matt has an MBA from Harvard and a BA from Dartmouth. Uh, with that, I'd like to welcome Matt 
And for our audience, please type in your questions as we go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. So I'd like to turn things over to Matt. All right, thanks, Gary. And if you wouldn't mind if you go to the next chart, please. Um, I'm gonna start just sharing a little bit about uh, who we are and how we work with broadband service providers and what our mission is. Um, you know, our customers, people ask us, we have tiny customers with a couple hundred subscribers all the way up to Verizon. And they say, oh, you know, who are your customers? Well, at the end of the day, the thing that connects all of them is that they're innovators. And our goal is to partner with them to not just deliver great broadband, but to deliver amazing services and experiences on top of that. And I'll give you an example. Uh, GBTC, a service provider with just under 100,000 subscribers in Texas, we've been working with them for years, uh, and we partnered with them on building a really incredible fiber network. Um, at the end of the day, that network was actually so capable that for two years in a row, they were recognized by Netflix as having the most capable network uh, in North America. Pretty amazing, right? That's that's a, quite an accomplishment. But GVTC didn't stop there. Why? Because they really care about their subscriber experience. So we partnered with them so they could adopt uh, our cloud solution. So marketing cloud, support cloud, operations cloud, et cetera. And what they did is created an incredibly efficient team that delivered an amazing experience because they used data to be able to be proactive and find problems and solve them and deal intelligently with subscribers when they had a problem. Um, and when they actually embraced those solutions, they saw a, a very significant increase in their net promoter score, 57%. But they didn't stop there. Um, our strategy is to help on top of our platforms provide managed services like home network security, connected cameras, um, uh, smart business solutions, Spark social media monitoring to give the, the service provider the ability to quickly and easily go and deploy great new services that their customers will appreciate. And I'm gonna talk at the end a little bit about why we think that's so important. Um, so they rolled out uh, our parental controls capability, our home network security, uh, Protect IQ. Uh, you can see a couple of examples of how they're talking about it. And they've had tremendous success and they didn't stop there. They recently started rolling out our Arlo connected security camera solution um, to great reception from their subscribers. Uh, and they're accomplishing amazing things like, you know, blocking 100,000 plus security threats per month for their members. Now, these are all things that traditionally people didn't think of for the mayor broadband service provider, right? They gave me a connection, they gave me a gig if they were doing a good job. But what's amazing is how successful they've been. They are tremendously successful, very profitable. And what they're able to do is take that profit from providing great services and reinvest it in their community, in their network, in their business, so they can continue to innovate. And it creates a virtuous cycle that's not just good for GVTC, but great for the communities they serve, as well as their members. And that's ultimately what we want to create is a model that's repeatable and simple for a service provider to move beyond just broadband or even managed Wi-Fi to becoming a true experience provider. So why is that important? If you can go to the next chart, please. Uh, this is a map that the, the team created here at Calix with a view of what the fiber penetration is across the United States. Um, and we built this with the help of associations like the FBA, 
uh, as well as government data, public announcements, et cetera. And you know, basically our estimate is about 43% of dwellings, homes, residences in the United States are, are passed by fiber. Now, interestingly, of course, that includes places like New York City and Miami where the penetration is probably close to 100%. Um, so what does that mean? There's huge swaths of the United States that don't have really great broadband. I agree with Gary, everyone should have fiber, right? That, that's the future. Um, and we have a long way to go, but there's a lot happening. If you go to the next chart, please. This is our projection of where we're going to land uh, in about uh, four years. You can see there's a lot more coverage, which is great for the subscriber. Uh, and most of that growth is going to be happening not in places like New York and Miami, right? It's going to be happening, you know, all across states um, that, you know, are have smaller cities, rural areas, suburbs, et cetera. But the implication for the broadband service provider is many of them who have been forward thinking and fiber, they've got the market to themselves, right? And the reality is that that's not going to be the case in four or five years, right? We have large service providers announcing plans to roll out more fiber. We have government initiatives. We have private funding flowing in. We estimate that the private funding flowing into our market is as big or bigger than the government funding programs that have been announced, which is pretty astounding. And by the way, if you serve a community where the density is more than, you know, say 20 households per square mile, you're probably going to have more than one fiber service provider in that market. If you go to the next chart, um, I just wanted to share um, an observation that we made. We have uh, advisory boards with our customers. Uh, we had one with a set of general managers in June. We started the conversation asking, you know, how can we help you? It's a great way to start when you're talking to your customers. And we thought it'd be a 15 to 20 minute discussion and we'd get into other topics. It lasted for a half a day. And the first answer was, you know what? I've been in this market by myself for several years. And I've got two other players who've announced that they're getting funding and they're gonna be bringing fiber to my community. I don't know how to differentiate, right? So if your value prop is I have fiber and I have a gig or multi-gig and someone else comes in and says, hey, I have fiber, I have a gig and I have multi-gig, it's 40 bucks. Suddenly your world has changed. It was a phenomenal discussion, but really showed that forward-thinking leaders are now recognizing that the things that they differentiated on as a broadband service provider aren't going to necessarily differentiate. So we, we shared this message um, with our customers at our conference recently, and it's basically as speed is the start. You have to have an amazing network. If you want to have a great experience, you have to have resiliency, great service, reliability, but going to 10 gig, it, it's not a go-to-market strategy. My go-to-market strategy to my customers can't be, I'm doing 10 gig. It, it's, it's, it's a great investment strategy for a long-term business, but your go-to-market strategy has to be based on something other than the technical capabilities of your network. Just to give you a quick analogy, if you go to the next chart, this is common in technology industries. As Gary pointed out, I spent you know, you know, over 12 years at IBM. And when you look at the technology market, let's go back to the PC. For years, people differentiated their laptops on the power of the processor, right? And if you go back to the early 90s, people were paying, you know, $8,000 because they wanted to get a 486 and, oh my God, I've got to get the latest and greatest, most powerful laptop. And we all probably know people who went out and did this, right? But then you fast forward to the future, 
right? Or the present in this case. You go to the next chart, please. Um, and really the market is bifurcated. You could go and get PCs with the latest processor for $200 at, at Best Buy, right? But then on the right, you can also pay $8,000 for the Apple experience, right? And what are they differentiating on? They're differentiating on how everything just works together. It's reliable, it's simple. It has all the applications and services that you want. I mean, three quarters of teenagers in the United States today have those AirPods on the right. And it's all about, they want the Apple experience. Does anyone even understand what the processor is in their Apple PC anymore? But that's common across all technology industries. So we believe the same thing is going to be happening in our industry. Technology still really matters. And in some markets, it still can be a differentiator. But for most, speed is not going to be the thing that they're going to be able to run a successful business on. So we have to build amazing networks. But at the end of the day, we have to think about what our value prop is. And it has to be about the service we're delivering, not the speed of our networks. Next chart, please. So when I talk about experience, what we've noticed is the consumer, the subscriber, doesn't identify themselves as a broadband consumer anymore about the speed of the service they're getting. They see themselves as a gamer who just wants incredibly low latency so that they don't get interrupted when they're trying to win a game. Or they work from home and they don't want their Zoom meetings to go down when their kids come home from school and start you know, getting into their videos and streaming. Or they're a small business and they want to be able to provide separate networks for their employees, uh, their guests and their administration, and they want security and they want content control so that when people come into their stores, they know what they can and can't get access to, or they're a head of household and they just want to secure their family, right? They, they want to be able to have a great, easy to deploy, easy to manage security service that protects their family and works with their broadband experience. That's how the, the subscribers identifying themselves and successful service providers are recognizing is that's how they have to present themselves. That's how they create a great connection that they can deliver on. So we recently had with our customers a webinar like this one. Uh, we had a gentleman on named Fred Reichelt. Um, he is the father of the net promoter score. He invented it at Bain about 20 years ago. He works with the top companies in the world, you name it, right? Apple, et cetera. Um, he's a real expert. And you might say, why is a broadband technology company talking about net promoter score? Because we actually think that that satisfaction view is really the differentiator. If you have a net promoter score of 80 or 90, which many of our customers do, do you think that that incredibly satisfied customer is gonna switch because someone's offering 20 bucks less for a gig? No. And so on the webinar, one of our customers asked Fred, they said, you know, Fred, I go into a market and I roll out fiber and I get a great net promoter score, right? These people maybe were on DSL, copper, you name it, right? They're having a bad experience. And I put fiber and then they go, yeah, we love you, right? But then over time, it just starts to go down. How do I maintain this? And Fred said, one lesson he's learned from the hundreds of leading companies he's worked with is the secret to maintaining it is continuous innovation. Continuous, you have to find ways to surprise your customer on a regular basis with something that they may not even expect it, but it delights them. Think about it. If someone brings you breakfast in bed every day for five years, by the end of five years, you just kind of expect it, right? And if they don't bring it, it's like, hey, what happened? 
So you have to find ways to delight the person in new ways. And I'll give you an example and close with it. Go to the next chart, please. So um, one of our best customers is a company, Jade. They're in Colorado, super innovative. I mean, the way they market to their subscribers, they have eight competitors in their markets, eight. And they are doing phenomenally well. And they're embracing all the new services that come out. They're branding them as their services. They're, they're really you know, using data to go after customers to see who could benefit from it. Um, and they were one of the most aggressive first adopters of our Arlo security package. And they rolled it out. And well, here's what's interesting, is every time they go to a customer and they're successful in putting this managed service in place, they are nearly doubling their ARPU overnight. Okay, so when you're doing that, you don't have to worry about, ooh, can I raise my top broadband package 5% and people won't leave. The way to do it is to do something like this where you're not growing your revenue 3%, you're literally doubling your ARPU. They have customers where they go to install three security cameras and they leave after installing 12. Why? Because customers are going, this is amazing. I don't have to worry about it. You know, 10% of the world, they're DYI. They want to go online and do it themselves. Everyone else is going, good, you're going to set it up. You're going to manage it. When my camera's not working, I can call you and you can go right into the cloud and see, ooh, your camera's not working because it doesn't have Wi-Fi or the battery's dead. So here's the nice thing for the service provider. They also don't have to roll a truck. They literally can do that remotely. So great business opportunity. But here's what's really interesting if you go to the next chart. So they recently did their first net promoter score survey of their customers. And they got a great result, 55. That's better than Apple's, if you can believe it. And then when they went into the data, they found some really interesting things. For their customers who are on fiber, because they have a, a mixed network with some legacy networks, their MPS score was even higher than, than, than 55. Then when they look at their customers who are actually purchasing their managed services, home network security, parental controls, connected cameras, social media monitoring to protect teens, it was even higher. And then when they went inside those managed service customers and said, let's look at the ones who are now buying Arlo from it, their MPS score was over 90, over 90. And when you talk to the leaders at Jade, they'll say, yeah, if we have customers who are getting three, four managed service from us and they like it, they're not going anywhere. That's how we're winning in a market with eight competitors. And the way I like to say it, it's almost like they found a formula for generating amazing customer love and high net promoter scores. And that's how they grow our who they differentiate by delivering that great experience and continually innovating. And our goal at Calyx is to find the innovators who want to do that and help them win by giving them the ability to embrace the cloud, to run their business and provide managed services easily that delight their subscribers and deliver great experience. So with that, Gary, um, I'm open for questions. Matt, this great stuff and uh, really appreciate everything you guys are doing for the industry. You know, when um, I had, uh, I've been talking to Wall Street a lot over the last couple of years. And, you know, one of the things about net promoter scores is that the fiber industry, or I should say the ISPs, broadband industry, mm -hmm. has been at the bottom of any, of any segment yep. of the, yes. uh, you know, if you look at, you know, we've been kind of at the bottom, but the fiber providers have been kind of, I'll call it the best of the worst. Mm -hmm. And so what, we're seeing now is that Wall Street is using net promoter scores for investment decisions on broadband companies because yeah. there are some people who do it really well and others that don't. 
Um, so we had Jonathan Chaplin on um, a couple weeks ago from New Street Research Equity um, Analyst, and he had basically said something similar, but he was saying that net promoter scores go up as you get higher and higher speeds, but he find, they found that at a 200 megabits is kind of the diminishing point of right. returns. And so while you definitely, we see that, you know, when companies announce they have 10 gigabit symmetric yeah. or like EPB 25 yeah. gig, that um, that goes a long way to, you know, saying, hey, this company's, I, I trust this company, they're going to be in the forefront. Yep. But at the end of the day, what people count, care about is other things beyond speed once you get about yep. 200 meg. Um, and then what Jonathan had said is you need to, you know, start um, packaging and bundling services like, you know, um, like with my broadband service, yeah. I get free HBO or, you know, so there's things like that. So what, you know, you had suggested things like Arlo, you know, your in-home experience, uh -huh. is that the way to go or do you, yeah. uh, other applications? We believe it's two things. The first one is great service, right? I think we've all had the experience where we call somebody and it takes 32 minutes to get to a, a person and that person maybe it seems like it's their second day on the job and they're not really sure. And the answer is, well, I'll have to send someone to your home, right? Um, so the first thing is when there's an issue or a question, you make sure you have amazing service. The second thing is exactly as you said, which is, you want that customer to see you as the innovator. And so to your point, you know, announcing that you're gonna do multi-gig services is, is great, but our data would show that even in markets where you have fiber, the vast majority of subscribers aren't on a gig. Why? Because some do, but most don't understand speed, right? And to your point, if, if it's good enough to get me the service I need, they're good. So then you wanna differentiate with those services. And to your point, our industry as a whole, service providers has a negative MPS score. To your point, literally every survey they do, it scores below health insurance providers, right? Or airlines, I mean, it's crazy. But we have customers with 60, 70, 80, 90 plus MPS scores. And what's interesting is when we look at success from a business perspective, it, it correlates almost perfectly with that, right? There are some very large service providers who can overcome a poor customer experience with scale and brand and spending billions of dollars. But for most, it's exactly as you said, deliver a great customer experience and delight them and innovate with the things that they want to live their life. They start identifying, right? So we, we announced that we're gonna go into full home security. Here's what's interesting is the average homeowner, they stay in their home seven and a half years. The average security contract, seven years. What does that mean? That's an incredibly sticky service. And broadband service providers have to look, find a way to find that so they get out of this cycle of someone comes along with a cheaper offering and they just churn, right? And we think that's the differentiator. And that's why some service providers have a minus, minus 10 MPS and some have a 90 MPS. And guess what? It's a strong correlation with success. So traditionally, a lot of your customers were traditional telcos now moving to broadband service providers. Um, and traditionally, the, the DMARC had been the side of the house, right? Delivered the uh -huh. side of the house, and then they kind of walk away from there. It looks like that your strategy has been really to encourage them to move inside the house and offer, you know, immersive experience, in the, whether it's the Wi-Fi, yes. the security, all, all the things that, you know, the analytics that help manage in-home networking. Is that... Yeah, I mean, in fact, our chairman, Carl Russo, started talking about this very overtly seven, eight years ago. 
right? Because at that point, most of our customers said, I don't want to go in the home. And his thing is, you have to go in the home. You have to own the subscriber experience. Because if you don't own the subscriber experience, you can be turned into a commodity dump pipe, right? And commodity businesses, unless you're really large and have incredible scale and efficiency, don't tend to do well. So 98% of service providers can't survive in that. And so the secret was to go in the home because it's not just protecting you against being disintermediated from the subscriber by the traditional players, but we have people like Amazon and Google are coming in who want to own the home. They want an Amazon home. So when someone has a great experience, they see their Alexa, they see their you know, Google Wi-Fi device. They see So Google and Amazon get all the credit. And when there's a problem, they call their service provider and say, hey, my service isn't working. I mean, that's the worst situation that you can be in. You get none of the credit, but you get all the blame. And that's the world that, that our customers face if they don't move into the home and say, I need to have a subscriber experience strategy. And they have to understand who I am, what I'm about, and what I'm doing for them to give them a great life. So one of the questions that came in from the audience is, can you provide examples of other brands who are currently disrupting the ISP space? You know, so I don't know if Fred had shared any of that or if you guys are seeing. Uh, other... you know, in terms of other brands disrupting our space, I mean, I, I'll go back. It's really that we think the, the long-term competitor to our customers is the internet giants, right? I mean, certainly people understand that you've got folks like SpaceX coming into the market. Um, we don't believe that <clears throat> someone with a great fiber connection is going to go to a satellite. So it's a threat. But the real threat is from the Googles, the Amazons, the Facebooks. Look, do you think Google's in this industry because they want to sell low margin gateways? No, it's because they want to put themselves in the center of the home and get the subscriber mind share right facebook has got plays where they're going in with their you know devices and things like that so the real disruptors are going to be those large um, tech companies who see the opportunity and it's not they want the broadband subscription they want all the services on top of it and that's going to be a huge disruption because you know we see service providers who are doing a great job owning the experience and delivering a great experience, but they have to be mindful about who they're partnering with and who's coming into the home, because at the end of the day, if they can't capture that mind share, they really do risk being turned into more of a commodity. So one another question that came in is, in reference to rural broadband, do you think the experienced versus NPS score matters when comparing with affordability? And what's your message to engineering service providers who want to be part of this customer experience in the whole ecosystem? So, so the first thing, uh, the first question, um, you know, really, when 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 we look at the experience, um, we, we think that's going to really continue to be the differentiator. Um, and I think ultimately, um, doing this requires a lot of help right and so when i look at engineering services companies and we work with partners all in the field all the time there's an opportunity for them to come in and start to develop new areas of expertise and that that you know by the way we have more and more service providers going into business and they don't really know how to deliver a great experience for a business we have more and more who are looking at doing 
things like our smart town offering, which is community Wi-Fi and how do you set up outdoor networks that are secure and have policy control. And they're looking for help. They're looking for help across everything that they do because they don't have all the experts. The same reason why they need organizations like FBA. You have expertise and connections that they don't have. Um, and so we see this as a tremendous opportunity for the engineering services firm to say, look, I'm not just going to help you set up your network. I'm going to help you think about how you set up your business and put yourself in a position where you can offer these great services. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. Well, Matt, thanks so much. We greatly appreciate Calix's contributions to the Fiber Broadband Associations and the committees you're on. And we um, really appreciate your contributions to industry. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We'll be discussing is Quantum the next killer app for fiber broadband with Dr. Earl, uh, Duncan Earl, the president, co-founder, and chief technology officer at Quantum Networking Company, uh, Cubitech. He's going to speak about the progress being made in quantum technologies and their possible future implications and what fiber broadband practitioners can do to get ready for the quantum age. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thank you, and we'll see you again next Wednesday.